Well, tonight we're going to step back into our study of the Heidelberg Catechism. We're up to Lord's Day 6, question and answers 16 through 19. So we're going to start by uh, reading those responsively off the screen. I'm going to read the, the questions, which are labeled leader. Would you join me in, in reading the answers? First question from Lord's Day 6. Why must he, talking about Jesus, the one who's going to be our mediator, our deliverer, why must he be truly human and truly righteous? God's justice demands that human nature, which has sinned, must pay for its sin. But a sinner could never pay for others. Why must he also be true God? So that by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity and earn for us and restore to us righteousness and life. And who is this mediator? True God and at the same time, truly human and truly righteous. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who was given to us to set us completely free and to make us right with God. How do you come to know this? The Holy Gospel tells you. God himself began to reveal the gospel already in paradise. Later, he proclaimed it by the patriarchs and prophets and portrayed it by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. Finally, he fulfilled it through his own dear son. Now, any of you who, who know me well know that I'm a game player. I love to play games. I play games with my family. I play games with friends. Uh, we have a great time playing games. Sometimes even uh, over dinner, we'll throw a game out and play a game while we, while we eat dinner together. And there's a game that, that we have in our cupboard that we played a couple times over Christmas break that maybe you've heard of, maybe some of you have played, if you're game players, entitled Pandemic. Anybody ever played Pandemic? All right, I know there's a few. There, I know there's two more that didn't raise their hands, but that's okay. Because um, I played with them. It's... it's I'll tell you, it's not my favorite game. It's okay. It's not my favorite because it's a cooperative game. It's one of those games where you have to all get along and you try and beat the game together. And so you either win together or lose together. I much prefer to win against other people, but that's okay. Uh, in this game, Pandemic, it's, it's, it's a race to save the world, right? You, you've heard what of a pandemic is, right? Pandemic is an outbreak, an outbreak of a disease that, that spreads throughout the world and threatens to kill off humanity sometimes, right? Two Greek words put together, pan meaning all and demos meaning people, pandemic, all people with this disease. And we haven't had a real pandemic in a long time. The last one that they labeled was back in 1918, 1919. I don't think many of us here can remember that. Um, that was the Spanish flu following World War I. Uh, the Spanish flu killed 40 to 50 million people worldwide. Can you imagine? 40 to 50 million people, 670,000 Americans. And I just read this, half the soldiers who died in World War I died to the influenza, not to a bullet or a bomb. They died because of the Spanish flu. 40 to 50 million people, right? There's been fears of a pandemic since then. Remember SARS not that long ago out in China and, and the bird flu after that. And then and just what, last year, year before Ebola in West Africa? Just this past week, I don't know if you read the headlines, they declared West Africa to be Ebola-free. 
But for a while, there was great fear, wasn't there, that this disease could become that pandemic that spreads throughout the world. And that the, the health people, World Health Organization, would tell you that the pattern that they see is that there's a pandemic three to four times every century. We're pretty much due for a pandemic sometime soon. So thankful that it, it hasn't happened. Well, this game mimics that. In this game, there's a map of the world, and, and there's diseases that pop up in different areas and different cities. And, and together, the players need to try and keep those diseases from, from killing off the world, right? So you need to, first of all, discover a cure for these four different diseases that, that keep spreading. And, and then you need to deliver that cure to the cities that, that are diseased. And you have to you have to do it. You're racing against time. All that time, you've got to keep the disease in check so it doesn't just blow up on you and kill everybody. So it's really difficult to do both. It's really difficult to find the cure, and it's really difficult to deliver the cure in time. So I have successfully killed all of us off many, many times, and I apologize for that. I, we've learned so far, if you've been with us to the Heidelberg Catechism, what we've learned is we are dealing with a real-life pandemic. It's a spiritual pandemic called sin, right? Lord's Days 1 through 4 were all about, especially 2, 3, and 4, were all about this sin disease that belongs to us. That's getting passed down and spread throughout the world. That's where, where Romans 5, we're going to start at verse 12, um, talks about this disease that all of us have. Just start, we're going to read different parts of Romans 5 throughout the night, so you want to keep your Bibles open. But look at verses 12 through 14 with me. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all have sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. It starts off, that, that paragraph starts off by telling us that, that sin came from one man and it entered all men. Remember the, the Greek words for pandemic? Pan, all, damos, men. There's a pandemic right here in this verse. Sin, Paul says, is a pandemic. It, it, it's given from person to person, from parents to children. It eats, us, eats away at the insides, and, and as an end result, it's fatal, right? It affects everyone, Paul says. This is pandemic-level stuff, a spiritual pandemic. Remember, we talked weeks ago about sin being that poison that gets inside of all of us and affects all of us and we pass that poison on to each other. But in Lord's Day 5, last time we were with the Heidelberg Catechism, we recognized that Jesus is our deliverer. Started that whole new section on deliverance. Jesus is the one who brings the cure. The cure for sin, the cure for guilt. And now Lord's Day 6 that we just read together tries to understand as best we can how Jesus delivers that cure for our disease. Okay, so question and answer 14 from Lord's Day 5 leaves us with a, with a statement that, that he must be human, 
right? God will not punish another creature for a man's guilt. And, and question answer 15 left us with the truth that he must also be God, right? He must truly be human and truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, he must also be true God. And so Lord's Day 6 takes the next step and asks the logical question, why? Why must he be human and why must he also be God? Right, that's questions 16 and 17 that we just read. Why human? Why God? How does this deliverance thing work? How do we understand it now? How do we get the cure? Well, as we answer these questions, as so many other theological questions, we need to begin with humility. Recognize we're talking about the ways of God. We'll do our best to understand it. But at the same time, we can't always completely understand and explain the ways of God. Romans 5 helps us significantly, though. Read on. Now, we're going to read verses 15 through 19. It's talking about how this deliverance works. Paul writes, The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provisions of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of the one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as though the disobedience of one man, I'm sorry, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So, pause there for a moment. As our deliverer, the one who delivers the cure, Jesus must be fully human, we're told, first of all. Why must he be fully human? He must be fully human to be eligible to pay for our sin, to be able to deliver the cure to you and to me. Right Through that section, you know, Paul, if you read that, Paul writes, there's one phrase that shows up again and again. In fact, it shows up eight times. He says, through one man. Through one man, eight times. I think I've told you before, when you're reading scripture and you're reading the chapter, if you find a phrase or a word that shows up again and again, multiple times, it's worth circling all the times it shows up. Because if it's repeated again and again, there's a reason. There's a focus there. Through one man, eight times. Paul's saying, as through one man... This disease of sin came to everyone, right? Through Adam, all of us are made guilty. All of us are sinful. From our very conception, we have this sin nature that's been passed down, started with Adam through one man, passed down to every single person since then. So just as we have been poisoned with sin through one man, so, Paul says, the cure 
Salvation comes through one man. God won't punish another creature for a man's sin, right? He said it has to come through a man. The Old Testament is full of the attempt to pay for sin with somebody other than a human, right? The whole sacrificial system with the sheep and the bulls and the rams that were sacrificed again and again. They temporarily paid for that sin, right? They, they made that, that the payment for sin. They brought the cure, but it didn't last. It didn't eradicate the disease. It didn't eradicate the guilt. They kept coming back, and so they kept having to sacrifice to eradicate this disease, to bring the true cure. It had to be one of us. It had to be human. Now, there's, there's places all over in life where we experience the, you know, must be one of us to, to make it happen, to truly experience it. It sounds so exclusive, but we do it all the time, right? We can... And maybe we can understand what it's like to be one, fully one of the group, right? Men, you can't ever say that you understand the pain of childbirth. Don't even try it. Don't even compare it to your kidney stones, okay? Because unless you're one of those who have given birth, you can't understand it. Unless you're one who has lost a child, you can't go to the funeral home and say, I understand. Unless you're one of them. And that's the whole premise behind support groups, right? A support group of any kind. You're in a group where everyone is one of us. We're all walking the same, the same path. And that gives us power and ability to help each other. Jesus was one of us. You know, kind of an interesting story, that, that trying to be one of us. I read not that long ago about King Abdullah II. He's king of Jordan. Um, and he makes sure, you know, as king, he's separated from his He's not one of them. And yet he tries hard to find out what it's like to be one of his people in his nation. And so on several occasions, this king, King Abdullah of Jordan, he disguises himself. And he goes out into public. And nobody knows who he is. He, he's been known to put on a, a fake white beard and, and go and just wait in line at the grocery store and chat it up with the people in the grocery store, wherever he is, to hear what they think and how they feel. Right? He, he once dressed up like a common old man and went to the hospital to experience what treatment is like at the hospital. He once was a taxi driver all day long, uh, drove people around, talking to him in the taxi. He's even gone so far as to be a television reporter, to pretend to be a television reporter, to try and cover a story. And and all these incognito escapades have given him a taste of what it means to be, what it's like to be one of the people in his country. It also has scared every government worker to do their best at their job. You never know when the king might just show up and, and be the one at your doorstep there. But the king does a better job, I think, of leading them because he's trying to experience what it is to be one of them. Paul is saying that the only way that God is going to have the ability to help humanity out of this mess of sin that we have created, the only way that was possible was if he became one of us. If he faced sin head on himself, he had to be a true human being in order to be able to pay the price for all humanity. So Jesus understood sin because he faced sin himself. 
And he understood temptation because he had to fight against temptation himself. And he can defeat the power of Satan in our lives because he did battle against Satan himself as one of us. He was fully one of us. What the Bible tells us, he was tempted in every way and yet was without sin. He was completely like us. And yet, he was also completely different from us. He was without sin because he was also fully God. Why did he need to be fully God? Remember, he needed to be fully human to be eligible to pay for our sins, right? To be able to deliver the cure to us. Well, he needed to be fully God to be able to pay for our sin, to be able to discover the cure in the first place. Paul, in in verses 18 through 19 that we just read, he, he points out that there was this one act of righteousness, one act of righteousness by Jesus that brought justification to all. Many will be made righteous, he said, through that one act. You know, that that to change in status, right? All of us are made righteous. It doesn't mean we're made perfect. Hopefully we're becoming better and better. But in God's eyes, we are saved. We are cured. We are made whole in his presence. We have a different standing in his presence. So this one act of righteousness needed to be accomplished by someone like us, fully human. But someone completely unlike us, sinless, has to be God. Only he's able to be perfect in the face of temptation. So, only he is able to pay the price for our sins. To be the righteous one who dies unjustly for the unrighteous. To to carry the sin that wasn't his own. And to nail it on that cross for us. Only God in Jesus could discover the cure. And only God in Jesus could then deliver the cure. Right, question and answer 18 that we just read. It asks, who is this mediator, true God, and at the same time, truly human and truly righteous? And the answer that you just spoke a few moments ago, our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Who was given us to set us completely free and to make us right with God. There's a name for that cure that Jesus found, that Jesus discovered and Jesus created. The name of that cure is grace. It's grace. That's how Paul ends this chapter with verses 20 through 21. It says, the law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This forgiveness from sin, this salvation, in th- this entrance into God's presence is a gift freely given to all who will receive it, to all who trust Jesus enough to let him inject his grace vaccine into their lives. It's a free gift. But we must always remember that while this grace vaccine is freely given, it was produced at a great price. There's no such thing as cheap 
grace. The price that Jesus paid was death. It was death on that cross, right? He laid down his life so that we might have life. He suffered so that you and I might be free from suffering. He paid the price for our cure so that we might be alive with him for eternity. There's a high price to be paid. That cure that you and I enjoy came at a high cost to God. And there's a price that we pay as well. It's given to us as a free gift. It is a completely free gift to be received. But once we receive it, then we have to be willing to give God access to every part of our lives, right? Every part of our bodies, every part of our minds, every thought, every deed, every desire. We need to let Jesus in. If we're going to accept this grace vaccine, we need to let him be our Lord and master and hold no part of our lives back from him. No part of our lives should we hold back and say, don't let your cure touch this part. I want to stay diseased here. I want to stay sinful here. Yeah, God, heal me all, but not this. No, we give God all of us. Like that poison we talked about earlier, Lord's Days, that poison that, that leaves no part of us untouched, that leaves us sick in every part. So the vaccine needs to go to every part. It needs to wipe us clean everywhere. In every part of our lives, we choose the vaccination over the guilt. We choose grace over death. That's a price we pay, but it's a wonderful price. You know, Paul really summarized this whole process we're talking about tonight. He summarized it so well in his letter to the Ephesians. Listen to Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions to sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. We were infected by a deadly disease. We're dying. And out of love and mercy, God himself comes and delivers the cure to us through his own son, Jesus Christ, through his blood, through a blood transfusion. And now we live, made alive through Jesus. That is grace. Made possible by Jesus, who was able to create the cure because he's God. He's able to deliver it to you because he's human. You know, it's, it's fun. It's fun to play the game to see if we can stop the pandemic from spreading all throughout the world. But this pandemic that we're talking about here tonight, it's not a game. You know that. It's real life in this world. It's eternity that's at stake. This is, this is you. This is your story and my story. This is our family and our friends. It's our neighbors. It's nations and regions that continue to experience the infection and the disease of sin. Who are desperate for this cure. 
And there's enough for everyone. Right? There's enough of the cure. There's enough of the vaccine. There's enough grace to cover everyone. And that's what we celebrate tonight. I hope you're here and you hear this and you celebrate and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for making a way for me to, to be forgiven and set free, to, for me to be made whole and healed again. Experience the joy of receiving the cure. But as we look around the world, we see that not everyone has it. Why? What does that mean? Come back next Sunday night, because that's what Lord's Day 7 will talk about. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace. Sometimes we sing those words and we forget how amazing it truly is. Some of us have lived with, with the truth of your grace in our lives, all of our lives. And, and we've missed the, the awe of what it took for you to find this cure, to make this cure, God. That you, God, would send your son to live and then die in our place. That you, Jesus, would be willing to be obedient. And now that you would offer this salvation vaccine freely to us. What an amazing love. And so, Father, give us hearts that overflow in gratitude. Give us hearts that can't stop celebrating and praising you. Give us lives that are wide open to your, to your grace, changing us, transforming us, eradicating sin out of us more and more. Yes, we know we will never be perfect until we are recreated in your presence forever. But, Father, we desire deeply that your grace vaccination would continue to change us, would make us more and more like you. Don't let us treat your grace cheaply. Don't let us think that it gives us permission to sin because we'll be forgiven. Father, change us, transform us. And we pray for the people who we know and love who have refused your free gift so far. And we pray that you would touch their hearts, maybe through us, maybe through our years and years of continued prayer, and that they too would with open hands and open heart receive your free gift of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing together Amazing Grace.